Hello, and welcome to Resolve, an afterplay show. This is an after show for a role-playing game that does not have an actual play, where we tell you all the details of our game so you don't have to listen to it. Hi, I'm Sammy. I'll be your host. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Asiri Amoli, also uses she, her, the mermaid. Joining me is my wonderful co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. I play Moogle Avatar of Alexander, Smog, <laughs> who uses he, him pronouns. I also use he, him pronouns. We are joined by D. Yay, hello, I'm Dee. I use both they and she pronouns. I play Geyser, a clown who is a problem, but maybe sometimes might be the solution. Geyser uses she, her pronouns. We are also joined today by Daniel. Hi, I'm Dan. I use he, him pronouns, and I am the game master for this campaign. Welcome, thank you for joining us today. Now that we're all here, Alex, tell us about the actual play. Previously in a feat, the party passes the gates with the false hearts and enters a jousting tournament full of more wooden mannequins. Smog and Juice participate with magical aid from Geyser, while the rest of the party sneaks up to the king's box to steal the master's rose gold heart. When Tao finally grasps the heart, the mannequins stop and Teddy rides in on a wooden horse. Smog opens a portal to Sequence Charter's World of the Lost to return the heart to the master. As he steps through, he appears changed, and Juice vanishes. Smog explains that Alexander entered through the crystal wall and will save him from a future accident with Rig. He claims to be a future version of himself who speaks with the voice of Alexander. The party returns to the World of Ages to consult Lone about what to retrieve from the World of the Lost. Athenos and Tau leave to speak with Lone. Smog tells Pony that she is not a unicorn, but has amazing potential for magic through her determination. Siri heads further into the static, speaking to the Abyss, upset by Smog's new appearance. She finds several gears, like a timepiece and a sarcophagus. She attempts to commune with the spirit there, but only gets flashes of a devastating life cycle. Geyser finds Siri, and they talk about destiny and what needs to be returned to the world of ages and this broken clock room. Alright, so now that you've heard the actual play, let's do a deep dive into the session. We enter the jousting tournament with mannequins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, I spent that entire portion confused as to what was going on. But then I was like, I get to cause some issues. I'm gonna do that. I love a heist with multiple plates spinning. At the start of my first long D&D game, actually, I think it was the second, whatever, we basically had like three little heists in a row. I love that. Love that stuff. Also, what like a weird location for a heist? Because you think like a bank, a museum, hotel maybe, (laughs) but a medieval jousting tournament with mannequins. And yeah, if you put it into current day terms, it's like we went to a football game and we went to the owner's box to try to steal something that they had there for some reason <laughs> and they wouldn't have in their probably much better protected home. That's pretty awesome on its own, right? Or like the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> I was so prepared for Renaissance Fair references to be made. <laughs> oh man, I want a giant turkey leg. There we go. Was there more there than the jousting? 
arena could we have run around and found someone selling i don't know foxtails seen people playing giant chess or something in that world alone it's not just that one setting per se but it's a little abstract it's kind of a question of who knows what you would find if you started you know searching through the pseudo forest that you found yourselves in that just happened to be the closest thing at hand we also were making hearts too. Like there was the rose gold heart and someone was yanking teeth. <laughs> and this was at the, the very end of the session before this one, where everyone had gone to the world of the lost from the world of ages and they found the tournament grounds. They found the guards seemingly demanding a price for entry with their, their bucket of hearts. There's this very elaborate process that was actually one of my favorites of trying to determine what like a solution might look like because no one wanted to give up their actual heart. So there was a very creative response and a very elaborate, <laughs> a very <laughs> elaborate methodology to fabricating <laughs> them. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was unhinged, but it was perfect <laughs> for the scenario that we were in. Geyser didn't participate any in that fabrication, <laughs> but that's mostly because, again, D the player was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> what What is happening? Are y'all all right? <laughs> <laughs> The world of the lost, I hope, never stops being a very distorted realm, twisted by whatever world it's taken root in. And you get there by sleeping. Maybe it's just our sleep paralysis demons <laughs> manifesting. What do we think it represents that the world of the lost here has mannequins who cannot speak, but the meat of the worlds, the world of ages, doesn't seem to have a lot of people? It definitely adds to like the emptiness. You do have the facsimile of a person, but none of that familiarity. It's very jarring as well. That and they're all engaged in ritualistic combat. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, was there any particular reason why you selected jousting for this? I had it in my head, a medieval competition for this world. And for some reason, that stuck there for a long time. My original thought was to have the entire place on fire. Oh. <laughs> I instead opted to have all of the plant life there to be sort of just illuminated mm -hmm. perpetually. Without getting into too much of explaining about the world of ages, it's very much connected to the history. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because, you know, World of Ages, ice and darkness. If it was all lost, then what would be there would be fire and light. So that thinking tracks. If we're thinking about ages, we have to think about which age has been lost entirely as well. So it makes sense to have something there be sort of a time period based location. Y'all are on some galaxy brain shit. <laughs> <laughs> I deeply value that people's brains work in different ways because, you know, I I just, you know, I guess we're here. <laughs> I, guess, I guess this is what we're doing. It resulted in Geyser being a little less intentionally awful to people. <laughs> Although there was the one moment where I was like, I could make it worse if you want. <laughs> the best way Geyser could support someone is offering to make things worse instead. I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
the basic motion of the heist was that Smog signed up writing juice, Geyser was providing distractions, and the rest of the team was heading into the sands and up to the box to try to get distractions and illusions in place in order to get in. Quite amusingly, I'd like to add that Geyser was also helping Smog and Juice cheat. give them an edge against the other writers there was some really clever stuff going on in all fairness the world of the lost is a strange and somewhat severe place but i enjoy how much it inspires some creativity in problem solving it flips the tone from like the world you guys were just in it's very interesting to see that energy respond it also makes it very jarring as a player too because you're in one situation, and then you're immediately in an either inverse or very contorted version of a situation, too. I didn't even think about what could have gone wrong had we not been <laughs> successful in the heist. I was worth thinking about, I kind of know how physics works. If I make the ground slippery, then when they try to poke you, it's not going to work as well. <laughs> Geyser's tricks there were pretty good. The other one was making Smog's lance have like a repelling force field on it. So they just made the opponent fly up <laughs> after he poked them. Didn't that guy die? I think the first guy definitely died. The first guy just got skewered all the way through because he slipped right onto the lance. Oh, because geez. the lances were metal tipped. They were not dulled for jousting. Oh man. I always end up murdering people in these campaigns. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's true, he didn't miss somebody in the first interstitial as well. Oh god, that one was the that one was worse. <laughs> that was a person just fighting for their life and <laughs> you cooperated to just extinguish that person. Oh man. Uh... It was nice to be able to show off Smog's absolute lack of remorse for killing someone. <laughs> It's a good thing that we got some good combat with Smog, even though it was in a slightly different way. I'm used to showing off Smog as very prestigious magical talent or something. Yeah. But he has a huge dark stat. So I like conceptualized because we'll get into more of what Asiri did later, but Asiri yeah. approached me, a page boy, and got equipment for us, basically. So I was like, oh, I get some armor and a lance? Well, I've done a job change into Dark Knight. <laughs> it is time for murder that was a little foreshadowing for later in the session lovely Absolutely. love that <laughs> that also was a major head fuck but we could <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there when we get there mm-hmm. <laughs> while smog is jousting and entertaining the masses a Athanos, Tau, and Pony go up to where the king of this court is. As Pony noticed that the rose gold heart is up in the king's box. (laughs) I love that y'all were debating strategy and trying to figure out like who should maybe cause a distraction, who should sneak around, and Thanos was immediately like, well, I'm not quiet. (laughs) (laughs) He's a cop. Okay. Yeah. Play to your strengths, that's all you can do. <laughs> I'm a big Athanos fan. <laughs> Dex's sense of comedic timing is just chef's kiss. <laughs> the himbo energy that we needed just infused into that situation. So, so good. 
it's always good when you know your strengths. <laughs> I am not quiet. <laughs> Therefore, I will do no sneaking. <laughs> I enjoy the levity that Athenos brings. It balances out and creates that total dichotomy that I enjoy so much. Ironically, I feel like Smog would actually be the most successful at sneaking because of his size, mostly, and also because he can fly. <laughs> That's part of why I took Hide in the Shadows from the dark, because mm. I was like, oh, it should be pretty easy for a Moogle to sneak around, even mm. though he's not like some sort of ninja or assassin or something. It should be pretty easy for him to hide. But yeah, I think I was in the moment like, oh, wait, Smog would be really good in either of these teams when we were trying to figure out like who's going to joust and who's going to try to steal, but... I think it was more fun to be like more physically violent with smug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> violence was the general. answer. <laughs> Physical violence. <laughs> violence was the question, and the answer was yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although they were all mannequins, correct? Or was it just outside? They were all these sort of wooden mannequins. I don't feel as bad anymore. Especially because we robbed their life anyway by taking the heart away. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We finally got into the king's box. Pony, Tao, and Asiri were like, the king's not moving, yo. This is weird. This feels like a Indiana Jones sort of trap situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Asiri went through the trouble of creating an illusion to make it look like people weren't moving around in there. And then took a look at the king right after everything was in. It's like, maybe the king was not animated the whole time yeah what the hell is that about <laughs> it's a very good question thank you <laughs> i appreciate it it's a show not tell uh-huh. <laughs> i feel like there's certain media where those things have happened i can't tell you where i saw it but there was a show was it castlevania i don't know there was like this town and the people were like oh the king says this the king says that but the whole royal family was like dead behind the curtain and all of their little acolytes were like pretending to get directives from the king because if they didn't the whole world would fall into chaos now i might be reaching but you know i've seen stuff like that before <laughs> Was it Castlevania? Uh, I'll have to look it up later. <laughs> Does that mean that the king isn't lost? Does that mean that Lone is the king? Yeah. Very interesting point. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, I could give you information. <laughs> but- Lone is just straight up hanging out in a castle. Post heart stealing and murder jousting, Smog just, I don't know, he, he transformed, he went super saiyan. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we grabbed the heart so all the, like, mannequins fell dead because they weren't ever alive, really. And then, you know, the heart belongs to Dumasta. Teddy comes in on, like, an old rocking hobby horse for some reason. <laughs> and it's like, good job! <laughs> Because of jousting, like, Teddy has to have something that's related to the area. That's why they had the bow the first time, because yeah. they were hunting. So I assume we're going to see something weirdly cute for Teddy to have each time they appear. <laughs> I'm excited. Poor Valentine. <laughs> that I will absolutely say is 100% what's going on. <laughs> Does Valentine get, like, insurance or other benefits for this job? <laughs> I guess their room and board is covered, right? <laughs> Great. Unlimited supply of cotton buttons and thread. Honestly, there's a lot of that stuff getting tossed around, so... <laughs> 
if the master can't go to these other places until they have the heart, is Teddy a completely distinct entity from the master now? Could the master not take over Teddy like he did with I can't remember the woman's name who who got taken oh, over? Yes, I can't say too much about that. Yeah. Right now. But, understandable uh, but it's a it's a very good observation that teddy's able to go to these places while the master cannot did we somehow blast teddy out of their worlds when we got <laughs> taken to sequence charter i feel so bad for teddy <laughs> just yeeted through the cosmos i want to take this moment to just voice how much i've still been thinking about how much i enjoyed the reaction of from describing a sort of creaking shuffling <laughs> coming from the entranceway everyone getting nervous asking what where's teddy valentine and then just being able to describe a little a little slowly moving rocking horse once Teddy has started <laughs> just wheeling itself into the tournament ground. I thought it was going to be some sort of siege engine or something. It was like, we need to get out of here, but we also need to get this to the master and we won't be able to take it out of here with us if we leave, probably. So we need to give it to Teddy. Uh, it was a mess. I just enjoyed how the serve version paid out. <laughs> Well, if only to put off talking about Smog a little longer, yeah. I do want to step back <laughs> to the page boy scene, because we did get to hear, well, at least one of us got to hear one of these mannequins speak. The rest of us heard it sing. Siri was basically trying to communicate in a way that Lone had been doing with a sort of sign language. Maybe they would recognize the same language of the world that it was rooted to. There was something there. Asiris tried to kind of go beyond that and use some, well, actually use some magic with the help of Smog, really, casting Vox. And that manifested its form in a music box that actuated into the chest of the mannequin. It communicated to a Siri through a melody. Which, you know, she would probably very readily interpret most songs very quickly as language. That's not a big stretch. And I thought that was a fun choice because it's, you know, a wooden creature music box makes sense. I even, like, as myself, was like, oh, I'm going to cast this spell because I forgot that Smog doesn't have rig. It's the whole <laughs> thing. Like, we took it out of the World of the Lost so you could have it normally, and yeah. he doesn't have it there. That was fun, though, because we got to, like, collab on magic, which hasn't happened yet. At least not in... I hesitate to use the word intimate, but, like, as such a, like, specific frequency. Yeah, it makes sense that if Smog was going to teach you any spell, it would be the one to remove the silence condition. <laughs> <laughs> was it a condition of silence on these mannequins or was it just that they were communicating through some means we couldn't hear because they did have like trumpeters that we couldn't hear as well i think that has to do with the wolves which we haven't investigated too much yet but it seems like we've got the remnants of souls we got things that can communicate that can wail that can howl left over in the world of ages mm -hmm. what that means Actually, we don't know yet because we haven't interacted with the wolf. But if they are ghosts, they don't have bodies. <laughs> and there were sure a ton of bodies there. True. <laughs> but we'll see more what that means when we interact with the wolf, I think. We're heading towards a weird bloodborne Castlevania sort of thing, I'm feeling. <laughs> you guys pick one of the spookiest worlds first which is the world of spirit. And you guys pick probably the most melancholy <laughs> world <laughs> second, which is the world of ages. The rest, I think, is going to pretty much be uphill from here. Good. That's exciting. <laughs> I don't know. The gunmetal world, I'm a little concerned about if that's going to be big for smog. <laughs> that could be so tragic. 
I'm so excited for that one. You, you guys are either gonna love it or you're gonna hate me, but it's a very funny <laughs> idea. It's gonna be a very funny idea. Oh, no. You're gonna love the world or hate you. <laughs> Not the world. Yeah, just the Dan. Dan, you suck. You're the worst. <laughs> We're gonna work on the, the theme of the time brokenness, and it's gonna be an alternate universe version of our party and dan has to play all of us oh, oh god no. <laughs> <laughs> oh spaghettios <laughs> that would be a lot of mental work to play how many people are there six that's six of us yeah players. weird funny funhouse mirror versions of us if that was gonna be the thing <laughs> that would be hilarious nice geyser <laughs> it is possible because I definitely in a series backstory seeded something for that. So oh. <laughs> it's not off the table. Spooky. If you can think a geyser once, you can think another one. That's true. <laughs> very profound implications. <laughs> it's this, you know, very nice gong clom where they just had very orderly nice thoughts and they're just little layers of dream worlds on top of each other that you can take a little elevator to. Yeah. Nothing got crashed and displaced. Honestly, <laughs> the, the implications of that are actually more scary to me because it's like eerie Stepford wife stuff. I guess that's just being the real world. If there's nothing fucked up in your world, then everything's fucked up. Y'all <laughs> 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 are doing something to make it so that there's nothing wrong anywhere. So, um, smog, huh? <laughs> <laughs> how's it going kid <laughs> very smooth segue this was actually probably one of the most significant things that happened this session it couldn't have lined up better because we were almost entirely in person for this session so to have that like vibe in the like actual room is feral palpable <laughs> Then. You like the energy created in the studio? <laughs> yeah. That's part of why I was like speeding up my experience game because it's like, if I'm going to do this big, ridiculous change, it has to be well. We're mostly in person. Yeah. I don't think I could have like mentally hit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just. In fact, that was the reason why I made the decision to, like, talk to Isiri later on. Because everyone's just like, well, I guess we're doing some other shit. And I'm like, hold the fuck on. <laughs> like, we need to process this. Because, like, well, I don't have a thorough understanding. I don't think the party has a thorough <laughs> understanding of what's happening. We're on the way back to the World of Ages. And Alexander breaks through the pathway and is like, well, you did too many magics, so uh, I'm going to make your future self, and also I'm going to possess your future self. <laughs> and then we're just supposed to accept that? Like, That's <laughs> working mysterious ways. I had just, because I had smog as a mastery link before and smog had me as a dark link before right and yeah. we were just like oh you know what maybe we can tolerate each other actually 
boom, a new person. (laughs) (laughs) New smog, with this. I thoroughly enjoyed this session for many, many reasons. But once we delivered the hardback to the master, Asiri was like, all right, let me help everybody wake up. And then since everybody except herself and smog because smog was like i need to do something alone and was like (laughs) alex looked at me and was like i'm lying (laughs) 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 oh see (laughs) let me get a handle on this before we uh things go bad so send everybody back we have a discussion (laughs) for (laughs) a couple minutes about like what is needed going here on out right yeah i mean it's mostly about smog not wanting to do his more ritualized magic casting in front of the group because he wants to blow open a dark portal to get to the master immediately is not willing to wait for teddy to rock there the reason we even came to the world of the lost was to help with loan in the world of ages so if we don't have an immediate solution there what did we even come here for who is Alexander exactly to Smog? Because we described it as a religious ascension, but like, again, this means nothing to me. I <laughs> <laughs> I am full of so many question marks right now. Yeah, I can maybe talk a little bit more about what specifically has changed with Smog. I said it a couple times in the session that Smog is now Lassie, which in... The Fabula Novala Crystallis <laughs> mythos of Final Fantasy, which is a couple of the Final Fantasy games across different worlds, is basically someone who is tasked by a godlike entity to do a task. And when they complete that task, they will turn into crystal until the god has decided to give them a new task. If they do not complete the task, they turn into sort of a zombie. Mm. Up to this point as well, Smog had a very particular relationship with Alexander above all of the other espers that were held in such reverence by Smog. That was a part of worry once Smog realized that dreams were was sort of lost to him, <laughs> discovering that in this new place that he finds himself in. I always thought that Smog would get to the Anachronism playbook, which is what I have for this sort of transformation. But even before thinking that Alexander would be the cause of that, I had this idea for Smog's backstory that he was getting visions from Alexander, cryptic, but pointing him in different directions in these worlds that he's going along. When we were finally getting closer to Smog actually changing playbook, it hit me that it would be interesting to change who Smog has amalgamation with to Alexander and sort of explain those visions that he'd been having as Alexander preparing him for the inevitability of becoming one person, in a sense. To Smog, Alexander is a god, the, the king of his pantheon, the one who cast out Moogles from ether space to begin with, and also someone who had been giving him prophetic dreams. Now we have Alexander, future Smog. Mm-hmm. I will work on accepting that information into my life. <laughs> that really fucked with my head. Everybody's just like in good spirits and gung ho, like, let's accomplish our next task. And only a series like, Sad times. Let me go brood somewhere. (laughs) Thanos seemed excited about it. Okay, that does track. For Thanos, it seems like dying is not even consequential. Like, oh yeah, I murdered my sisters and my aunts all the time. He's talking about, yeah, sometimes you die in your trials. So like, you dying and coming back as future you possessed by your god. (laughs) 
feels like not out the realm of normal possibility for a Thetos' backstory. For everybody else. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a huge leap. And I'm actually kind of surprised that everyone was just like, yeah, fuck it. We ball. <laughs> for Thetos, it makes a lot of sense because like once the mortal completes their trial, they get to ascend to demigodhood. So in some sense, I could understand the Thanos viewing this new transformation, this modification between this higher power and smog being that upgrade manifest. So mm-hmm. I don't think Athenos would have a hard time swallowing it at all. And that's why he seems excited. It's like, oh, you finally ascended. Good job. I'm proud of you. That sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Smog even straight up explains that a malfunction with Rig that Alexander had to save him from is why this all happened. And he was like, is that your trial? I do wonder a bit. The sort of level of introspection the party as a whole has. This is a cast of characters, some who are very much set in their beliefs. I'm wondering how much the characters themselves would like reconsider certain things. It was very hard for me at the end when we roll for lengths to put a finger on how this transformation changes how a series views Smog. She had A, just thought she had just figured him out, right? Just gotten, mm. you know, who he was, what he's about, what's going on here, and then gets absolutely whiplash in this scenario. It's something she wants, but it's also something she's doesn't feel she's capable of. So I was very close to going for a heart link here because I think there's something that a series sees inside of herself that is wrong that Smog has manifested in this in the appropriate way that she's incapable of, if that makes sense. But at the end, I was like, she's fucking jealous, dude. He got something. He has direct line of communication with their primary entity. That's something she's training for. That's something she doesn't think she can do at all. And she wants it. And that and that makes her mad beyond comprehension. And it makes her feel like, you abandoned me. Yes, I was ripped away from you. I'm sorry, I couldn't control that. If that's your whim, then sure. But on the other hand, you're not here for me either. And it's just very frustrating for her. And that's mm. why she kind of left the group early. She went through her fit in the darkness alone because she figured it's Not good for the group for them to see her upset. So that's why she left. It is good for Geyser to see (laughs) (laughs) Isidia. I also had a tough time at the end of a session trying to decide what link. Because again, right before we got yeeted back and Smog like ascended, Geyser's like, you know what? I learned from you, but now, you know, I think I figured you out and we can kind of work together and stuff. And then it's like, now Geyser's immediately suspicious because I don't know what's going on and I'm supposed to believe you're this Alexander guy. And it's much less of like a personal backstory thing for Geyser, but just the reality of the situation. (laughs) I'm wondering if that's going to cause organic problems between Geyser and the rest of the group. I won't say that Geyser's a realist, but someone like Geyser struggling with their perception of reality is going to maybe take it out on people who don't seem to be struggling in the same way. Not in the usual sense of, oh, I want to cause you issues. It's just like, pay attention. What are you doing? So it kind of facilitated the decision to follow after Siri. Geyser did ask Tao to find where Siri is for, I don't think... If Geyser had stayed with the others, she would have been pleasant to be around. 
<laughs> because she probably would have been like grilling smog. <laughs> Don't you see that this is not normal? <laughs> but then again, you know, in in the context of this campaign, what is normal? Why can Geyser accept mannequin jousting? with relative ease but not oh smog is different now that's something i'll have to think about i'm glad that there was a lot of whiplash and confusion because a lot of this turn i mean there's there's a bunch of time travel throughout final fantasy like the first game um the first boss you fight is also the last boss and a bunch of time travel stuff involved but this turn i wanted to base a lot around the transition from final fantasy 13 to final fantasy 13 2 where your main character becomes enlisted by a goddess and then is in the background while her sister takes over as the protagonist for the next game becomes a completely different story barely connected but they wanted to keep the characters around for the branding, I guess. So I, I wanted to create that weird whiplash, like, whoa, you've brought something completely new um, out here that doesn't feel like it fits necessarily. Yeah, and I've got to give you, like, kudos. At the table, when your voice changed, I was like, what? <laughs> That's what made it real. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, I'm smog. And it's, it's like, oh, I'm, like, monotone now and creepy. <laughs> I should talk about the physical changes, but we can start with the voice. Smog used to sound like this, right? He was like, I'm, I'm a fucking New Yorker and I'm going to blast your fucking head off. <laughs> and now he has a flute pipe instrument carved out of an old eye stock that's now sort of brown instead of greenish. And he holds it up and he plays it from this wind magic that he's making. Comes a voice a little bit more like this. Smug is not even speaking. He's he's not play- speaking. <laughs> That's why it's not his voice at all. That's why it sounds completely different. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that is my voice for Alexander. That is why he says that he speaks with the voice of Alexander. Okay. <laughs> I'm still having a hard time. <laughs> like, bro, that's that's <laughs> that's extremely suspicious. <laughs> I think about it in character however you want because I want that play to be there but that stuff like the losing the voice the issue being rig I wanted to play with the damages of gun violence and smoking I wanted to be like he lost his voice because of re-exploding don't do drugs kids <laughs> gun violence is bad <laughs> although but if you do drugs and shoot you will become one with your god I don't, I don't think that's the message we're trying if you do to both. <laughs> send. <laughs> no. I have to come in, voice of reason. No. <laughs> Disclaimer. Resolve Disclaimer. it after play podcast. Is not good the opinion of the host is not the uh, quotidianity that is me. <laughs> also, like, I'm literally just making jokes. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no jokes for y'all. <laughs> Unless you're, like, of legal age, you know? <sighs> Drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what Alex is telling me is I need to draw new art for Smog. <laughs> I did not say that at all. If you want to, it would not stop you. But you do not have to draw a new Smog. I feel like I have to. <laughs> <laughs>
So here's here's the thing then. Are you setting a precedent where if someone else also has a dramatic change, you're going to draw them as well? We're probably going to have, I'm going to say, a non-singular amount of playbook changes in this campaign. Correct. But you had the dramatic change, TM. Like, I can't imagine a change much <laughs> more dramatic than that. I have ideas for if I change playbook again. No! <laughs> you are not allowed. <laughs> Even though I've been failing a little bit, I've been like saving my ass with the with the coupons that Dan gave me or just like I have so many locked dark links <laughs> that I've been spending. <laughs> have we explained your special coupons? I don't know if we've ever talked about that on the pod. What had happened was uh <laughs> there was there was a good it was at least one session that we had this going on. D was rolling using a bot that I had made for Discord. Much to my dismay, I discovered after that session that there was a bug in the bot that prevented it from rolling its highest value. I definitely know distinctly that Geyser had a lot of misses that session, so I'm like, Yeah, right. I, I was struggling. I'm going to make this back up to D as a player because it was unfair. I made a type of move where if Geyser's plans should go awry, if they could spend what I called an ace up your sleeve to either get plus one forward to the situation, make a minor retcon, or to acquire an item that might be of use. Functionally, it's not too different from, let's say, a successful limit break or spending links. Just as of last session, that's completely spent up. Yep, I used the last one last session. I used the last one to do a plus one for the roll that was a nine to make it a ten. It was tough. <laughs> that, I still don't think the bot likes me that much. <laughs> but, you know, I do get some successful rolls with it. Because I redo all of the unsuccessful rolls, I haven't been gaining any experience. <laughs> That's true. You've been like kind of leveraging links, and then you have like you have so many locked dark links. It just it reactivates them all when you yeah. succeed. To, when you get that perfect dark move. This is such a fun game to fail in, though, because your mm. failures tend to push you forward in a direction either that makes sense because you fucked something up, or in a direction that you didn't see coming. And that's why I'm okay failing some of the times. But there was one roll I was like, I need this magic roll to go off. So I was like spending links and I was rolling physical dice and it just wasn't going off. I was keep getting like failures and like really bad, like a very low mix success. So I was like, fuck it. A series spending her link with the abyss. And immediately upon doing that, because, you know, she's very far away from it right now, we get double sixes. So I'm like, great. Thanks. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yeah, we had three natural 12s in that session, and two of them were smog. <laughs> had some really good rolls. I should mention smog's physical appearance drastically changed, which is why someone might immediately panic upon seeing him again. Besides having the flute staff pipe thing, he's now wearing just a really large cloak. Still has the same boots under it, but it's like a cyberpunk street mage sort of cloak that has light elements that will change color, especially under the sleeves. It looks exactly like the Think Geek cloak, RIP Think Geek, that existed ages ago. It has holes for his ears and his palm. His fur's a little bit grayer now. His palm is now cogs. 
His wings now have a like shadowy shimmer to them. He has he's got one eye that's black and one eye that's white. Over the white eye, there are three gems, and under the black eye, there are three different gems, colors corresponding to different Final Fantasy types of magic. On his left hand, same place that Hope has his Lissy brand, because Hope in Final Fantasy 13 summons Alexander. He has a little brand. It looks more like paint in fur because you can't have tattoo on fur. <laughs> And Juice isn't around anymore because he's too big. My boy. We lost our party pet, guys. I'm sad. It does suck. I like Juice. He was fun. One of my plans, if I do change Playbook again, is would have Juice forward. But we'll see. That's interesting because I was talking to Dan on our drive home. Playing as a Siri is a big struggle for me sometimes because she just doesn't know very common things in society, which is fun because you have to filter through that. But on the other hand, it's just like, what the hell do I say in this situation? Because I have no idea what a Siri knows about (laughs) any of these topics because they're just not existent where she is. It's a good challenge to force you from a different frame of mind, but like, goddamn, sometimes I'm like, what the fuck do I even say here? (laughs) No thoughts, head empty. I'm happy that I don't have to play Smog as confused anymore because he's from so far in the future now, except for the one thing I explicitly built in for myself that he would not know about, which is the existence of Tao. (laughs) Of all the things. That also messed me up because I was thinking Tao's probably feeling so hurt because like, Tao's a memory in, like, their playbook based on people remembering you. <laughs> Smug not knowing Tao. Tao had to be, like, hit directly in the feels. D felt sad, but Geyser would probably be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to leave space for multiple interpretations of what's going on there because I explicitly said as Smog that his memory had been altered by someone and then there are multiple ways to forget Tao if that's an option. That leaves the possibility for Tao to vanish if that's something that Zach wants to do at some point. And it also leads a possibility if somebody wants to be the Linksmith, if somebody wants to explain like how Smog's memory has been modified in the future. I just mm. thought it would lead crumbs that people might want to pick up later. I also said that his memory got modified so that he could essentially give untruths to his Siri without lying to her. <laughs> because I didn't want to like have to actually know things from the future or like yeah. yeah. That's like not my space as a player, so I had to be like, what can I do so that I can like respect this move that a Siri has and not have just a weird too much amount of knowledge without rolling well i do believe it's part of the anachronism to at least dabble in rewriting events that happened yes i actually don't know the extent on which they know things from the future but that could be an aspect to it yeah Mm -hmm. i've i've also suggested like hey maybe tau just wasn't in the timeline i'm originally from and i've i've hopped but i've got to help this particular group for some reason There are lots of different explanations we could use, but I wanted to be able to, if somebody wanted to pick up any of those pieces, run with them. Here's a question. How much... Oh, obviously you're speaking with the voice of Alexander, so probably a lot, but (laughs) what effects of that new influence has been placed onto that smug's perception of the party members? Obviously Tao is non-existent because they're gone, but what about everybody else? I don't think Alexander fundamentally changes how smog feels or the time that they've spent together um since then i think he's just been more earnest in his communication and not scheming as much so far (laughs) 
<laughs> yet. But I don't think that his internal self is as changed as his external self. Smog is becoming a better person. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I created Smog as a character who is just at the point of inflection trying to uh, redeem themselves as a villain starting redemption. And I thought it would be fun to see what happens when we jump to the end and we have a quote-unquote redeemed character and how that feels to people who might just be noticing the effects of his manipulations. Geyser was somewhat wary of Smog, but not because, oh, he's manipulative. It's more like, <laughs> this guy's too smart and I can't fuck with him like I fuck with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> We're down one schemer. I guess you could really also describe Geyser's actions as manipulative, even though Geyser's a lot more straightforward about it. It's kind of intentional. I wonder how it's going to like affect the party. I don't know if it was Alex or Sammy that asked, how would I feel if the party stopped interacting with Geyser in certain ways because of their actions? And I feel like that point might come quicker because of Smog's change now. Everybody in the party now is mostly like, oh, we want to make friends and solve problems and be nice to people. There was Smog that was like, you know, I want to help the espers and I'm going to do whatever. And then Geyser's just like, I'm here for a bad time. <laughs> the balance is changed. So there is one villain, quote unquote, besides, you know, the rest of the party. A little concerned, a little curious as to like how that will change everybody's relationships. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you say that considering what Geyser does following us getting back to the world of ages, which is, you know, fo following a Siri and then being like, hey, are you okay? Like, Geyser seemed like very genuinely concerned about a serious <laughs> mental breakdown here. Geyser doesn't experience morality like most people. If Geyser doesn't like it, then it's bad. And if Geyser does like it, then it's good. Just like Geyser likes people she feels she can fuck with and geyser doesn't like people she <laughs> feels she can't fuck with geyser is concerned about a series mental well-being because geyser at the time thinks that isiri is acting in the appropriate manner to what has happened it's not that i want isiri to feel better it's like you are doing the right behavior right now and everybody else is i don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> Geyser follows Assyria to commiserate, but what ends up happening is like Geyser tries to comfort. There's a lot of fucked up processes happening in the brain. You're never going to get genuine, honest, emotive feelings unless it's going to make the outcome good for Geyser. <laughs> sensing the sadness in the room geyser's now interested in what's happening oh there's despair how do i get a piece of that <laughs> after we finished the session you said that something about 
a serious innocence sort of reminded geyser of Jilly in that moment. And mm-hmm. I'm just so enamored with the party because this has come up several times, but everyone's like, yeah, a series very innocent and naive in ways. And it just fascinates me because I don't view her as naive or like maybe naive of like surface shit, obviously, because she just hasn't experienced it. But like, mm-hmm. I don't view her as innocent at all. And it just fascinates me though. That's repeatedly come up. I think that's just the player's internal biases versus the characters. When people are so straightforwardly kind and good, it leaves people to believe that there's not much else under the surface. Even though through the play and through the background, we kind of hear your internal thoughts about a serious struggle with her destiny and her relationship with the Abyss. And that's involved in complex stuff, but the actions are very, oh, I'm sad because there's a sad thing around me. And also, I'm happy. I have fish. We're going to the place that smells like dead meat. I like that. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, puppy, there's not a thought behind your eyes that is that kind <laughs> of thing. On one hand, I do know that there's, like, layers, obviously. I don't think you would play a person that surface level and there's nothing to them. Because that wouldn't be fun. But the emotional reaction to the character leads to that. Because they're such a straightforward, hard-in-their-sleeve kind of person. Now that I'm thinking about it, Smog is also the one who has the most exposure to the more, like, feral side of a series so i don't think that he necessarily thinks of her that way either there are obviously things that he has seen in her that feel more puritanical like literally not being able to lie mm-hmm. but i think he was there when you like grabbed up teddy and were just like eyeballing them so there's just this little bit of extra understanding from smog i think we're not so different you and i <laughs> <laughs> that's been a recurring theme i see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, before we move on to the ending, we have to talk about what the fuck y'all found in that room where oh, you're yeah. having your heart to heart, so. Yeah, cue a dramatic clock tower scene. Inside, we have got, like, cogs and gears and whatever this machinery is, it's not working. It hasn't worked in who knows how long. And then there's a big stone sarcophagus with the word al carved into it. A Siri can't read. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part about that was how the specifics of the room was actually kind of secondary the highlight of the scene was actually geyser and asiri interact with each other it's this mysterious backdrop to something that's very down to earth which i kind of like yeah because geyser read the word and the guy's just like i don't know what the fuck that is (laughs) (laughs) this is nothing to me There's the whole dramatic discovery of the gear in the sarcophagus and the dust. And Geyser does a little digging because it's there to look around. It's like, oh, I found your despair. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) They got yeeted out of here. That gear belonged to something. (laughs) What was the deal with the gear? Like you, you saw a soul in it or something. I was like trying to pick advancements at that point. So I missed a little bit. There was a being with a soul. I don't remember if Dan told us exactly what it was, but essentially whoever was in the room, their soul was stolen and is somewhere where it's not supposed to be in in a never-ending cycle of suffering. Siri 
you know, very in tune with the flow of energy, sensed that and was like, I hear the siren song. I must lament and help. And Geyser's just like, I'm here for the bad vibes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Industrial dancing in the corner. (laughs) I love that. Alrayun is a mandrake spirit that, like, wanders around and plays tricks on people. What? (laughs) There's no plant life in this room. It's all clocks. There's nothing in the stone sarcophagus except for said gear and dust from the ages. There's nothing here for Assyria to be grounded on. She doesn't know what a clock is. She doesn't know coffins aren't a thing. All of this information for her is meaningless. And then when she tries to contact the energy of this room, because this is a place of great power that she can feel... It's all like a circle of suffering. The cycle is here, but it's just meaningless and it hurts her. Is Siri tapped into the pent-up center of these repetitions and paid the price for it? How can anyone's brain handle that and survive, let alone stay sane? At least Siri managed to only feel bad. (laughs) I should have known Sammy, you of all people would pick up. The name is a reference, not a direct import of the character. That That's all I will say. I had a feeling, because I was like, that's you can't just dangle that in front of me in particular and not, <laughs> <laughs> not have me pick that up, but good. I'm glad. <laughs> Although, while that was happening, Smog did have a conversation with Pony that I would like more information about, because I think it would be a shame to not talk about that here. Yeah, um, there was one thing that I wanted to nudge harder by choosing to play the anachronism, and that was Smog's relationship with Pony as a teacher. I wanted that to be less foreboding almost immediately, but also to maybe sow some tension in the relationship anyway. So Smog was immediately like, I've got good news and bad news. You are not a unicorn, flat out. And Pony tries to talk it back and explain like that there's no other reasoning. And Smog's like, well, don't you want to hear the good news? And she's like, okay. (laughs) And Smog tells her that she has the greatest potential for magic out of the entire group. And I chose potential very carefully. Yeah. (laughs) Which is interesting because I've never played, well, that's not true. I've played bits of Final Fantasy games, but not, not enough to know like the lore of the story. Is there, is everyone innately capable of magic in that universe or is it like a selective it depends on the game to the extent that somebody can do magic. Normally, the people that are the most special for their magic are summoners, whether it be they're a race that's almost died out, or summoners have a particularly hard path, so people don't normally choose it, or it's just difficult to summon. Those are usually the sort of people who are thought to have the most magic power in Final Fantasy. But in games where you can change class, anyone can usually access any class. So it's not necessarily rare to be able to do magic at all, which is part of why Smog was immediately like, well, I can teach you magic because anybody can do magic. Maybe I'm setting Pony up to be a summoner. Who knows? It's just something for her to pick up if she wants it. A horse with a familiar. I wonder how Pony will move forward because that's ego death type shit. (laughs) Her whole ethos was pride in my heritage. This is what motivates me. And you immediately come in and it's just like, I'm shattering your entire perception of self. But here's a cool part. (laughs) 
to me, if Pony doesn't go bonkers next <laughs> session, maybe it's just me. I feel like y'all are a little too level-headed <laughs> about this shit. Like, maybe me as a person is just too used to brain chaos. I mean, I purposely did it as a player to start shit, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Carolyn will pick it up because the more chaotic response to that is, okay, cool. So it, it could be interesting to go from there as well. But I did do that to try to start shit. Yeah. <laughs> Carolyn was also very careful in like having Pony be like, well, that can't be true. I, it, she very clearly doesn't buy the word of God here. So. <laughs> <laughs> she seemed to be more open to it after explaining the second part, though. That's true. I think there's still part of it. And I think that plays well into the knucklehead that's just like, well, even if this is true, at least I need to like, keep going no matter what. And that's what Smog wanted to reinforce. You have this brash determination. Keep using it. I still feel like it's a mindfuck. Smog is just going to be fucking with people's minds, but in a helpful way, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. He's not going to try to hide his manipulations anymore. He's just going to be like, hey, this is what I remember about you and where you need to go. You are a horse. <laughs> Get a <away. laughs> <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. Horse. <laughs> Something that I didn't say because it would be like way too rude for where Smog was in character, but I was thinking of phrasing this way was like the faster you get away from this idea of being a unicorn, the faster you get power. Oh. <laughs> that's how the old Smog would have put it. <laughs> yeah, you need to give this up and accept the truth because that's what's actually going to help you go forward. I need you to be fucking for real right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to hold up the phone I need to see you and what you are looking at <laughs> both Athanos and Geyser could use a reality check like that but I don't know I feel like Athanos would be like oh well okay and like completely ignore you <laughs> yeah Smug knows who these people are and like what they'll accept from him so We'll see how much he pushes other things. I'm, now that I've had time to process, excited for this transformation <laughs> of Smog. It has palpably changed the tenor of the party. So it leads to some interesting things. Daniel, this was your first time DMing in person, other than to just me, because we're in the same house. How do you feel about that? Would you have done anything differently? There's some things that I'm planning on playing around with in the future. It's not done differently, but there's things I'd like to do more, which kind of involve looping roles of player characters in a certain way. I don't know how to describe it. Something more threaded through the fabric of the conflict that you guys are entering into. What about you, Dee? Would you have done anything else? If I had thought about it more, I would have caused a stink first and then gone after Asiri. I'm happy with the way everything played out, but uh, me as like a person, I genuinely do feel that like <laughs> y'all are too calm. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you can always cause a stink on our next session. You've had, you've had time Absolutely. to think about it now. You can come back and be like, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll see um i feel like our plans tend to go up in smoke immediately once everybody starts playing <laughs> i'm just glad i got this playbook change out the way i wanted to got all the pieces in and i'm now playing around with the after effects
Alright, let's get into the resolution phase, the segment of the show where we each get to say something about the game with no responses. What is your final say on this session, D? Sometimes being confused is the right answer. You can find me on Twitter if it still exists by the time you're hearing it <laughs> at backslider D. I am also on Instagram at I had a cow lol and also by that tag on PSN. You can DM me and I'll send you my switch code. We can play there. What are your final thoughts, Daniel? This is to all the players. Your actions leading up and especially during this last session have moved some major background pieces and we have some pretty big points coming up. I will say not too far away. A listener here, this is what you can do. If you want to reach me, you could probably write to Resolve AP and then (laughs) (laughs) could read it to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, just to let you all know, it'll probably be me or Sammy who sees it first, but it will get to Dan eventually. <laughs> we'll get there. I could be reached via courier. You can reach me via courier, <laughs> Pigeon. Actually, never contact me. Do not. <laughs> Do not disturb. All right, what about you, Alex? We've had beginning for Smog's story, and we're seeing an ending. Maybe someday, if you're patient, you'll hear a middle. You can find me on Twitter at Shining Crowbat. I also recommend checking out Pentiment is an illuminated manuscript mystery about how we resolve speaking about heritage. It's beautiful in every sense of the word. And if you enjoy it, hey, maybe check out other Obsidian games that also have similarly amazing writing. And for myself, well, darkness is an interesting thing. You can hide a lot of like secrets, a lot of mysteries, but you can't stay there forever now, can you? You can find me in the echoing chambers of nightmares that are locked in the deepest recesses of your mind. This has been Resolve, an afterplay show. You can find us online at most social media sites at Resolve AP. Except Instagram, which is at Resolve Afterplay. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. You can buy the game we're playing, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined, from its creator, Riley Hopkins, at linksmithgames.com. All links will be included in the description of the episode. Thank you again for listening. We end our turn here, so now it's your turn. Tell us about what's happening in your game.